Hey, I'm glad you're here. I wanted to bring you a first-hand account of someone who was in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday, January the 6th, uh, before and after the events that took place at the Capitol. I think it's really important to have first-hand accounts, and that's something that I've seen missing in the, the mainstream media today as we know it. So the thing about first-hand accounts is we're so conditioned and programmed right now to think of everything as right and wrong. And this is someone's story. This is his story, his perception about what happened. And if we can listen to that, and then we can accumulate several stories like that, we can form our own informed opinion about what we believe happened. So I hope this will be helpful in a piece of information that you can use. Hello and welcome to The Deepening Place. I'm here today with Brian Penrod. Hi, Brian. Hi, Angela. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm just really excited about having this conversation with you. Like so many of my 2020 new friends, we met online. One reason I wanted to talk to you today was because we all are kind of reeling from what happened last Wednesday at the Capitol, and you were actually there. And I thought it might be helpful to people to kind of get the perspective of somebody who was actually there at the event. It was a real... I think just a, a real privilege to be able to just go there and witness everything that happened. Yeah. I mean, I read a little bit about why you had decided to go. Would you like to, to share that with the listeners? Sure. So for me, I grew up in a household. Uh, I was a military kid, lived overseas, lived in multiple states, and just was raised to be patriotic. And I, I really value the United States Constitution, the Bill of Rights. And, and for me, where I came from was really not about Donald Trump. It, for me, it's more about he stood out and protected uh, and, and has spoken uh, you know, so much about trying to safeguard our First Amendment for freedom of speech, our Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. And, and just multiple areas of freedom. I, I'm, I'm really, uh, I, love for, I love the idea of pro-life, being able to give everyone a chance to be able to have an at-bat at life. And so that, those are some of, the, some of the major things. And I'm really, I'm really interested in freedom, in freedom in the United States and freedom worldwide. That's an interesting point that you brought up because a lot of people that are not on the right or conservative or constitutionalist, they kind of lump everybody together on the right. I think that's cool that you said it's not so much about Donald Trump for you. It's just you feel better represented by that side. And he was saying he would protect some of the things that are important to you. Yeah. So and the other really, really big one is that I've seen evidence for going on now two decades um, in multiple elections, just because of people I know and have been exposed to over time, that 
our our elections are not necessarily as free, as secure, and as transparent as we would all really love and hope for them to be. So that's something that was also pretty. I I I went because this was the first. Uh, politician, so to speak, that really, really brought that out to the forefront. And I just hope that all of us as Americans can have more confidence because it doesn't matter what side we're on. I'm not a Republican at all. I, I'm not Democrat. I'm, I'm kind of more of an independent thinker. And I think that that I think that's so important for the future of our republic is that we are absolutely confident that we do have. And I know a lot of people have questions that about it. And there's some people that think, well, everything's hunky-dory and good to go. But mm-hmm. I think it would be a great idea to just re-examine the process and give us more confidence, even if it is perfect. So that was another thing that was kind of at the forefront for you was election integrity. Absolutely. All right. So that's kind of your background and your what the perspective you're coming from. I just wanted to know, like, it's crazy to me that we haven't heard people interviewed who were actually there. Like, if you watch the news, in the old days, journalism would actually interview eyewitnesses. So I feel like that's kind of what we're doing today, providing people with an opportunity to actually hear from someone who was on the ground there. Can you tell us a little bit about like what the environment was like maybe before? Did you get in the night before or the day of? I uh, got in on Monday evening, just wanted okay. to make sure I was there early. I heard there were going to be some events on Tuesday. And so I was there and prepared with a, a group of people that were really excited. That, and it was really hard to find hotel rooms. So there was five of us just, uh, you know, bunking out in a hotel room. So did you feel, I mean, was the mood lighthearted or were people excited? Was it more serious? What what did you find just kind of wandering around? I saw an incredible amount of enthusiasm and excitement and just people that love their country. Really, I just saw a lot of love. And that was kind of leading into it. Did that, you, so you said you were at the actual speech that President Trump delivered? Yes, I was. I was there. So how, I've heard this disputed, and did you walk to the Capitol after the speech? I didn't walk right after the speech. To enter where the speech was, you had to go through security gate, and we had to throw away several different items that we had, which was required to be able to walk in. So I actually went with a lady that was there, and we ended up going to a store outside of the Washington, D.C., downtown, like that main area. And so she ended up hearing that there was a an event that had happened that people were marching there and someone had gotten killed. And oh, she was like, we should go. So we didn't really arrive until about an hour, hour and 15 minutes later or so. Now, were you walking or did you get a ride or? Well, that was, that's another whole story in itself. We had called two different Uber drivers. And once the Uber drivers showed up and saw the hats that we were wearing, they, they drove, they, they pulled up, they saw us, and then they would just drive off. Because it was like a pro Trump hat. Yeah. Yeah. So 
the store owner told us that they were afraid of us because on the local news and on the local radio shows, they were saying that all of us were domestic terrorists. We took our hats off and finally the third Uber driver picked us up and actually had us listen to it. And I was just totally shocked because that didn't seem to represent anybody I had met. Mm-hmm. So when you were there at the speech, was it sort of calm? Was anybody yelling anything violent that would indicate what was about to happen? No way, not at all. In fact, uh, from what I've heard now is that it would be pretty largely impossible for the people that ended up breaking in in the beginning to have had Donald Trump initiate that because he hadn't even finished his speech yet by the time that they began doing these hoodlum anarchist mm-hmm. type of actions. I can attest to that because I'm a like a history constitution kind of geek and I had made an announcement I will be in this chair the whole day long because this is my jam right here. So I was listening to the speech and I saw in the corner that the um, joint session had started. So I switched over to C-SPAN. So yeah, it it actually started before the speech ended. And I thought it was just going to be a slow day because when they got to Arizona and they said, okay, we're going to break up and have a couple hours of debate. I thought, well, this is going to happen at least five more times. So it's going to go well into the night, if not into the morning. So I was about to go for a walk when I saw that there had been a breach. That's why I was wondering if you had walked because I'd heard it was like an hour walk and I don't know if that's true or not. When when I did finally get to the Capitol, I wanted to see what was going on and I actually was able to go up onto the actual Capitol itself, not up on the stairs where some of the pandemonium and things were happening, but I got video of these people trying to climb up the walls. I got video of people trying to break down the door or enter the door multiple times. And then the police spraying whoever that was. And one of the things that I really liked seeing was that there were so many Trump supporters there that were trying to tell them to stop it. It was embarrassing to me to see that kind of behavior. Did, did you see any like law enforcement officers being attacked or has that already stopped by the time you got there? I didn't see any officers being attacked, but I did see them. I saw the, uh, the, the rioters try to open up the doors, the police would come out and then they, I don't know if you would call it an attack, but they would be, you know, pushed. I guess you could call that an attack, but they were pushed by some of these rioters back in and then they'd shut the door again after they started spraying the, the fumes all over everybody. I don't know if you've seen the footage of, at certain entrances, it looked like people were just kind of being welcomed in like at Disney World. And then at other other places, it seemed like there was quite a bit of conflict. Did you see any of that? I only saw on video. I did not see live myself with my own eyes, them letting people in, kind of like the way that you described, like Disney World, just in a, you know a simple you know, come on in, check it yeah, out. It yeah, I didn't see that, but I did see, uh, I saw some pretty wild stuff. I started seeing the flashbangs being sent out and going off, and then we just cleared out of there. Yeah. Something else that someone said, that cell service around was not working. Did you experience that? Sure did. We could not go live 
on Facebook or anything. There was, we were jammed. I couldn't send a text. Uh, I, I, I barely had, I think, even one bar. So I just figured, well, I'm going to take video of everything because that's really all I could do. If you look at the way the Capitol building is set up and the fact that there wasn't cell service, it is possible that some of those people that were surrounding the building had no idea what was really going on. Do you think that's fair? Oh, yeah. I think there's quite a number of people that had absolutely no idea what was going on. I mean, when we see those pictures on the news, it's it's as if all those thousands of people were some of them were just standing there in peaceful protest. Would you agree with that? The vast, vast majority of them, that's all they were doing. Okay, not really even knowing what was going on inside. Let me just say this. When when I was there, the news had already gone out. So okay. the people up on, up, up actually on the, that building, they, they knew what was going on. It was quite evident. It was loud. Okay. After that, so when you guys did, it started escalating and you decided to clear out, did you guys just go back to your hotel room? What did you? Can you tell us anything about what happened after that? What did you see? What was the mood of the people? Well, they they instituted the a, a six o'clock curfew. The mayor of the city did, and so it was about five fifteen. And there were there was no access to Uber drivers at that point in time. It was extremely cold and it was windy and it, it was a really, really long walk home. And because of the challenges with being amongst tall buildings, the location services with the app I was using made it a little bit longer walk. It was one heck of a walk back, that's for sure. And there were some kind of scary looking figures out there. And there were quite a number of other Trump supporters just trying to find their way back home to their hotels. Well, you know, in the past, we've seen at these rallies, there was like a large, maybe Antifa presence, some sort of opposition. Did you see any of that like on your way home or, you know, while you were there? I didn't see it the entire time I was there, except for that night on the way home. Okay. Did were you concerned at all, or do you feel like you just stayed in a group and got through it? I was somewhat concerned when I had to go down a couple of streets where there wasn't anybody, and it was just me and this one other woman. But once I started getting a little bit closer towards my destination, it just felt great because there was a whole lot more people. So I felt a lot safer then. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the actual event or your experience or the people that you met before we move on to this next section? It was quite interesting for me to see so many Asians there. So many Asians uh, from probably all kinds of backgrounds. There were a lot of Asian Christians as well, and they were all wearing NCCP, Chinese Communist Party masks. And they were there with large banners, uh, with all kinds of ways to be able to reach people with with their message that they were trying to warn us that this is coming if we don't wake up America. And so that was one thing I noticed. There were some really phenomenal speakers the night before the Wednesday event on Tuesday night. The Asian people that you saw there, do you know if they were Asian Americans or had they flown in from other countries or could you tell? Oh yeah, they were Asian Americans, proud and happy. 
And they just had stories about maybe what some of their family had endured or where they'd come from. Yeah, as I was in line trying to get into the speech event, I showed up probably about seven o'clock in the morning. It was oh, wow. a massive line. And there, they, I, I just kept running into them and asking them questions. And I'd get them, I'd take pictures. And it was interesting to hear them share their experiences. Is there anything that, that you could share with us? Like maybe something that stuck out to you? What really stood out to me with, I guess, the, the two main ones that I had entered conversations with were their stories one of them came this particular generation, and then one of them is the second generation American. And just the stories of what they and their families had to go through while living in China, the sheer you know, lack of really any freedom at all to be able to speak, and just being treated like I couldn't imagine living in a country where you have to be afraid of everything that you say or do or being watched or being snitched on. Those are some of the things that they brought up in conversation. That's really even, I mean, it was last week was really beyond our comprehension, but um, it's really scary to think about. You had a personal story. Would you, could you share that with us? Yeah. So it was, I think it was 1981. It might've been 1980. So it was the very early eighties, the eighties just started and uh, Ronald Reagan had just got into office. The actually the first night that my family moved to Hellenicon air force base, which is now shut down. It's, it's just outside of Athens, Greece. Uh, Actually that first night, the, Uh, All of the hostages uh, were let go that Iran had held Mm -hmm. and they they ended up landing on that base. And it was pretty cool for my dad to, uh, you know, bring, you know, our little brother to to go see that. There was a, a time, I believe it was within that next year. I was probably in about third grade at the time where my mother was just trying to take us uh, on to the Air Force Base so we could go to church one Sunday, but we couldn't get on because the base was uh, blocked by a large communist demonstration. Uh, they were known back then as uh, Kappa Kappa Epsilon, the KKE. And, you know, it just, just in that, you know, real young, impressionable mind, it was scary to see people with Ronald Reagan you know, skeleton masks and burning effigies of our president. And it just, it it shocked me. It's something that stood with me that that's what eventually happens when, you know, hardcore communists end up taking power, end up, you know, seizing a nation. Or maybe that's the way that they feel like they have to protest to be able to get their particular point of view across. It's, uh, Mm. it was pretty scary. Yeah, but that image just kind of always always stuck with you. Sure did. Yeah. Well, I heard, and I wanted to get your reaction to this, President-elect Biden said, don't call them protesters. They were a riotous mob, insurrectionist, and domestic terrorist. Would you describe yourself in that way? No way. I love this country. 
I love every citizen of this country, even if they have views that are totally opposite of mine. Uh, I'd fight for anybody to have the right to be able to, you know, speak their mind, speak their piece, even if it's totally anti against what what I particularly think myself. I just thought it was interesting that, you know, he came out so strongly and called everybody there that were peacefully protesting a riotous mob, insurrectionist and domestic terrorist. And that's basically he was saying that to you, Brian. Yeah, it's it's pretty concerning, especially with the fact that we've gotten to a point in time in history where the media is so incredibly adept to be able to keep repeating things over and over and over again and take a small snippet of something out of context and have it mean something totally different than what it was really but then what was really said in the first place. And I, I believe that he's 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 playing into I believe he's playing into the whole uh, racism thing and trying to create division. And it's just really sad because we're a melting pot of people of and it's our citizens that come from so many different faiths and walk of lives and backgrounds. And just to me, it's really sad to fan those flames of, uh, of hatred where if we just love each other, I really thoroughly believe that if we ended up really just having conversations with people again, we'd find way more that we have in common than we do with differences. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's really why why I'm doing this. You know, my saying is that we should meet in the middle for a love revolution. I think if we came together at the table, we could we could have conversations and realize how much we have in common. I love the idea of your podcast. It's amazing. Well, thank you. Um, just for the record, I did read on your, your statement that you, you know, officially strongly condemned the actions that were taken by what you described as a few and in your mind, being there, it was a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent of the people that were there. That's that's part of what you said. Yes, you, I, I I absolutely agree with that statement. One other thing that I saw on your account of it on your site was that you said, you know, maybe just in passing, some of the police officers or other law enforcement people that you, you encountered said you maybe overheard them say that they didn't believe that those people were even Trump supporters? Yes, I, I actually asked two different police officers at the scene. I asked them, who exactly are these people that, were, that got inside and were creating all of this pandemonium? Both of them said they, are not, they were not Trump supporters. Both of them did. And then I had another friend He's involved with uh, Homeland Security, and he also told me the same thing about an hour later. So, well, what about getting out of there the next day? Was did you have any difficulty with that? Not at all. I I didn't personally fly into Washington D.C. I flew into another neighboring state and then drove in. So all I had to do was just drive out. One of the ladies that stayed with me said that the morning she arrived on Tuesday the trains wouldn't show up. So she had to find other another way to be able to get to our hotel. And I heard from multiple people uh, that they had uh, canceled flights and just challenges getting there and leaving. What I really believe it is, it's not so much 
a disdain for Trump supporters. It's the fear that, you know, maybe the media has stirred up and made people believe that everyone that might support President Trump is like one of the people who are breaking the windows or breaking in or or wrestling with police officers. I, I tend to agree. I think that our media in the United States on the left, on the right, and even a lot of, and definitely independent as well, they all have issues with, I guess, what, what's been termed as fake news and really just sponsoring an agenda. And it's, it's just sad that uh, real journalism has seemed to die in large part in our nation. I'm encouraged to see so many different independent journalists trying to go out on their own. And uh, I think that's going to be a trend that's going to continue. One last thing that I wanted to ask you about, if you don't mind, is a lot of times groups that you were a part of when you you went there are labeled as, as white supremacist. I wondered... Just a few questions. I know you said that you saw Asians there. Were there any other minority groups represented that you saw? Every every walk of life you can imagine from Hispanic to black, it, it was everyone. And did everyone seem to be getting along? I mean... Oh, yeah. It was like one big family. You know, one symbol that is particularly offensive to some people is the Confederate flag. Do you see a lot of people waving Confederate flags. I didn't see one the entire time. That's interesting because one of the prominent pictures of the people who burst into the the Capitol, one of them is waving a very large Confederate flag. And I thought, I wonder, was that the part of a photo op or because I didn't see any when I was watching the speech and they would pan the crowd. I didn't see anything like that. So I just wanted to ask you since you were there, you know, because in a group as large as, as was there, I'm thinking tens of thousands of people was that do you think oh it was it was definitely hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people so in a group that large and you didn't see a confederate flag not the entire time i was there and you saw a lot of different groups represented a lot of groups represented a lot of different american flags christian flags uh, trump flags the uh, gadsden flag American Gadsden flag, the police blue line flag. It was just really patriotic. I really, really appreciate you spending some time with me tonight and just giving me your your story. I think that is just so valuable for us to to hear each other's perspective and story. And I and I thank you for for doing that. Thanks for allowing me to share it. I can't wait to listen to your finished production. Is there a way that people could get in touch with you, or you know, maybe your social media? Um, yeah, the, the best way to reach me is probably on my Facebook account at Brian Penrod. That's B-R-Y-A-N-P-E-N-R-O-D. Okay. Thank you again for joining. And I really appreciate you being here and sharing with us tonight. Thank you for your time as well, Angela.